um, welcome to Western Sunday here at First Baptist Church of Lotus. Uh, the Duke and Chili. Sheep and the Good Shepherd. Can it get any better than that? And two baptisms, huh? And Cliff with a cowboy hat that actually fits. I mean, David, you got more hair than I do. I guess my head must be bigger because my hair is really gone. So thank you for letting me lend to this. I'm going to keep it on at least till I get through the scripture. Because, you know, and somebody said, well, why are you wearing a hat in church? Well, if you were ever around anybody of the Jewish tradition, their hats, their heads are covered out of reverence to the Lord. So it's, it's okay to keep a hat on um, on Sunday, Western Sunday. Other than that, take it off. I was raised by a policeman. He said, the only guy I should have a hat on is a guy carrying a weapon. So all of y'all carrying weapons out there too. I don't want to know about that either. Okay. Let's just stop right there and get ready to it. Today we pick up the word of God at chapter 10 of the gospel of John. We've been in the gospel of John now 13 months. And if you have been in church at least once in your life, you have heard something about the good shepherd. You have surely seen a Sunday school picture, uh, uh, maybe a, a pamphlet or a handout in vacation Bible school that described Jesus as the good shepherd, often with a lamb around his neck. And if you've heard any sermons over the years, and I am probably as guilty as any other preacher, I've often expounded on the fact that sheep are dumb. I don't like really being called dumb, do you? But we are all prone to wonder, as sheep are. But we also remember David's boasting. The 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. So I think you can see it as an insult if you want to take it as being a simple sheep. Or perhaps being totally blessed by having the Father in heaven as your shepherd. He goes on in Psalm 100 that... We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And countless other Old Testament illustrations that describe God as the shepherd of his sheep. But when the people heard it that day, and we're reading John 10, and there's a lot of commentators that will say there's probably a time break uh, there'll be a reference later on. I think it's verse 21. If you've read that, I think it's 21. Um, he talks about uh, the Feast of Presentation. Uh, many commentators will say that's uh, Hanukkah. Regardless, that's typically a winter feast. So there could have been time in between. But yet, Jesus has addressed the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees when they did not recognize that he was the son of God. Who else could do the powerful things he had done? He caused this man who had been blind from birth to be able to see. And they could not see that miracle as what it was. And now this carpenter has used God imagery to explain even further who he is. In fact... As I build on these 10 chapters that we've gotten to so far in the Gospel of John, that's what Jesus has been doing since the first time we hear of him in chapter 1. He's been trying to explain who he is. And he clearly describes himself by using this 
God imagery to be divine. In fact, he will say, and that's our title today, I am the gate. In other words, no one gets to this abundant life, and it has, stay tuned, that's verse 10. It has more to do than just life here on earth being fat sheep. It talks about, it has the implications of eternal life. So, if you have your Bibles, please join with me at chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now, King James, other translations may have, verily, verily, the, the original language is amen, amen. Some will say, I tell you the truth, like this NIV does. I, I'm thinking Jesus always told the truth. But what I think he's doing is stomping his foot. Hey, listen up, listen up, guys. It's like when the teacher says, foot stomper, you know this test is going to be on, or this question is going to be on the test. Someone who climbs in by another way is a thief and a robber. Two different words that are used there. Thief is a word we get klepto from, kleptomania. Someone who wants to steal. A robber has something to do with abusing and hurting someone. He's, he's broken to their house, tore it up, and hurt them, whether he took anything or not. So anybody who comes in other than by the gate is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman, and that's the word that Ed asked me, who's the watchman? Think about that. The watchman, I think King James says the porter, opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not re recognize a stranger's voice. Oh, how I wish we would have lived that out. How many times have you followed the stranger's voice instead of the Lord's voice? Verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So here we are with, you know, 2,000 years of hindsight, and why wouldn't they understand that? So he breaks it down again. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, verily, verily, amen, amen, listen up, I am the gate for the sheep. In fact, we won't even get to the good shepherd till next week in verse 11. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, identifying with that earlier uh, description of those who came another way. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Once again, he says it. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. For the key thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Or some would say more abundantly. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this famous passage and how it speaks to us fresh each time we read it, with new questions, with new ideas, with new connections to what your son is telling the people that day and telling us today, we thank you for loving us, for caring for us, for these words that Jesus talks about saving and protecting security for us. And then also, Lord, 
the certainty of this abundant life, this life that can exceed and must exceed anything we can imagine here on this earth. So today we look to the good shepherd who describes himself as the gate. And we look for you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to take that off only because no hair, but I get a hot head all of a sudden. Do you guys, that's probably where you wear the straw ones, don't you? Yeah. I feel like I'm sweating. This is a Stetson. I didn't know that. This was probably an expensive hat in this day, wasn't it? Yeah. What did you say, 40 years ago? I'm going to put it down here. <laughs> 40 years ago, that thing, you couldn't afford I wouldn't let you wear it, Cliff, but now you can. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you, David, for that. And he has done that uh, for me two or three times, I think. In fact, I think uh, Joe... Where'd Joe Wynn go? Yeah, sorry, you blend in with the cowboy hat. I think one year Dennis gave me cowboy boots to wear, and I mean, they were so pointed, you know, I was like ready to kick somebody. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus paints a picture of a sheep pen, and then he says, I am the gate that lets the sheep in and out. And most of you have heard the description of Palestinian sheep and shepherd, sheep and shepherd stories. In fact, there was one commentator that I think Barclay, expositors, interpreters, many have quoted over and over. One theologian in the 1800s talks, and I'm looking at Mark Thomas, I bet Mark is an old Baptist preacher, raised by a Baptist preacher, and he's going, please don't call me, please don't call me. You've probably heard that this guy who's out in the Palestine in the 1800s talks to a shepherd, and the shepherd explains to him the gate, that he himself was the gate. After he got the sheep into some sort of cave or maybe rock wall that he had built or maybe other shepherds over the years had built a little you know, temporary uh, place to stay with the sheep, he would lay in front of them and he became the gate. The sheep would not step over him. You know, they wouldn't go past him because he was there and he wouldn't let anything bad come into him you know, past him. And that's a wonderful illustration. And I think that there's truth in that. And I think that that works for me. But like I said, working through the gospel of John these past 13 months, I can't help but go back and think about chapter five. So if you got your Bible or your phone or whatever, Jesus is getting ready to heal a lame man that has been basically immobile for 38 years, and he, he heals him in the pool of Bethesda, but if you notice, he is at the sheep's gate at the temple. This is where the blind, the lame, those with disabilities hung out, hoping that someone who was going to make an offering at the temple might have a few pennies left to give to them. But the purpose of the sheep's gate in Jewish practice of the day and of worship of the day is where the sheep would come through to the temple that would be sacrificed in the ceremonies that the rabbis would offer unto the Lord. I think Jesus is not only using the imagery of the good shepherd, but he is foreshadowing for us his future death and sacrifice being our sacrificial lamb. He who did not know sin would become a sin offering for you and I. 
He tells us that anyone who enters to the pen, enters in this pen by any other way, is a thief or a robber. And he tells his sheep, listen to the shepherd's voice. The sheep listen to his voice. Look at verse 3 with me. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, as I said earlier, the King James uses the word porter for this word that the New International Version translates watchman. It is a form of the word, the original language, thorough. And I tried to make a connection with thoroughfare or through, but it basically, in the original language, is a word for door, opening, or opportunity, or passage. That's what this guy is doing. He is opening, making an opportunity, giving passage for the sheep to receive the shepherd. But as I looked at it, Ed, as you have, what, who is this porter? Who is this watchman? And I read several different commentaries this week, and that's part of my problem. I read so many, and I forget who said it, and then I also forget if I'm going to use it. And I, I hope it gives you some at least platform to understand better, and I encourage you to do that. And Ed's always wanting to know where you're going next week, and sometimes he can't tell, nor can I. But the bulk of theologians will say that the porter, the doorkeeper, is the Holy Spirit that works upon you, convicts you to open your heart to the Lord. Some later theologians have said it's the clergy, that this is a passage that is saying to the clergy how important their role is in maintaining the door to the congregation. And as I thought longer about it, I thought, could it be me and you? Because how many times have I allowed something into my life, into my congregation, that the Lord would have preferred to keep out? Think about your own homes. How many times have you failed as the gatekeeper, the porter, the doorman to your own home, saying, I wish this had never came in, or I wish I would have opened up to this blessing? And then, as I said, I, I, as I was talking about in the baptism, I see Jesus explaining himself in so many ways. Could Jesus, in fact, be the porter as well as the gate, as well as the shepherd, because he also can identify as the sheep? And as Jesus explaining just more the multifacets of who he is, that way we can pick this up and see how it speaks to us. Well, before we lose focus on the text, the passage says, the sheep listen to his voice. Jesus didn't take time to explain who the porter is, so I've given you some suggestions. I'll let you deal with those as you read later on or in the week. But the focus is, is to listen to the shepherd's voice. Christ tells us that the, we are the sheep, he is the shepherd, and that we are to be waiting in the pen if we have been received by him. We are waiting for him and listening for his voice. And I wonder how many times have you let someone else's voice pull you away from the Lord? 
allowed someone else to steal or rob your talents, your time, your opportunities to serve him, to serve something else. Most of you are familiar with Charles Swindoll. I did not realize that Swindoll was a Texan. I think I had read that stuff, his stuff for years, but never realized he was a Texan. In fact, he's like from Frisco, I think, where the church he, the big church he had. And probably being a Yankee, I'd read Frisco and think that's California, like San Francisco. But isn't Frisco north of Dallas? I'm looking to some more of the Texans. Yeah, somewhere. Denton? Near? Somewhere? Okay. So anyway, he wrote a book uh, in the early 90s called Stress, Fac Stress Fractures. And I pulled this illustration from it. He said that at that time his life was getting busier and busier, and most of us can relate. You know, you get so busy that your job has got demands on you, or your health has placed demands, or other people have placed demands, and, and you get to where answering the phone becomes, makes you angry. In fact, Brenda noticed me doing that, I think, yesterday. Somebody called, and I was like, oh, interrupting my whatever I was doing, probably sleeping or eating or something. You know, those are the two vital things every Baptist sleep and eat. Today you get to do both, sleep in church and eat chili. But he said it was getting so angry. He said, I, 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 I just was getting short-tempered with my spouse. He said, my kids. He said, I even harfed my dinner down to where I could go do what somebody else was wanting me to do. And he said, my, my family could feel the tension. And he said that evening his daughter came up to him and, and she said very quickly, Daddy, 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 I, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. And I'll say it really quick. And he said to her, he says, honey... You know, kind of, he realized where he was. Honey, you don't have to say it quick. And he said, I'll never forget her response. She said, then listen slowly. Listen slowly. Listen slowly to the shepherd's voice. Because he may tell you to stay in the pen for a while. He may tell you to come out. He may say, come in right now because you need to be protected. He may say, go out because you need to bring other sheep with me or to me. Listen to his voice. Take time today to listen to the good shepherd. And second, and finally, as most of you know, I've gone down to two, two points. Follow. So listen and follow. Very simple. Right out of the scripture. Listen and follow. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. Maybe you've watched enough westerns to know the friction between shepherds and ranchers. In fact, if you're watching this latest 1923 spinoff of Yellowstone, ooh, there's some mean stuff happening between ranchers and shepherds. In fact, I still recall, and I think I told Steve and Dan this about 30 years ago, I went to a, a John Maxwell conference on leadership, and he asked pastors that were attending, when you pastor your church, are you a shepherd or a rancher? And he was advocating more to be a rancher than a shepherd. And uh, I could see some of the positives, but I also saw negatives. Because ranchers, and please, you guys know I'm, I always said I'm urban cowboy, but I watched enough TV, you know, I slept in a Holiday Inn. They drive the cattle, right? They drive them. They push them. They, they beckon them through whatever, you know, to get them to go. And, and it's even different for Eastern, um, Middle Eastern shepherds versus American or Western shepherds, um, the Middle Eastern shepherd led the sheep. They followed him because they knew his voice. He had a relationship with them. 
my uncle, my mom's uh, brother-in-law, raised sheep for a while. And, and predominantly, I, I think he raised them for their meat. You know, they, they give milk as well as obviously wool. But in the Middle East, I'm told, and what I've read, that because they have these relationships with them, they have maintained the, the sheep for many years to harvest the wool. It's more of a product, byproduct, of having this relationship with the sheep. So for us today, we have to, we have to know that Jesus, as we look to him, we must follow him and know that he's going to take care of us. We listen for his voice and not our desires, but his. I know no one wants to be a follower in here, right? How many times you've heard it if you're on a dog sled and you're not the first dog, the view's all the same. You didn't hear me. Yeah, you did. Yeah. No one wants to view the person ahead of them. We want to be in front. But that's your problem if you're not allowing Jesus to be your shepherd. It's not looking at other sheep. It's looking to him. Look at him. Don't look at whoever else is a Christian in your life and, oh, I wish I could read the Bible like he can or wish I knew scripture like her or I wish I could sing or play or I wish I had all these things. No, just look at him and let him lead you and follow him. Someone once asked Leonard Bernstein, who was the accomplished director, I think, of the New York, I'm looking at a couple of Metropolitan or some kind of orchestra, you know, something like that, whatever. He was big in New York. I know he played this. I, did, I do know, because I remember when the Berlin Wall fell, he went, you know, as a Jewish man, he went and had a concert there in Berlin. So anyway, somebody asked him once, what was the hardest instrument to play? You guys know this illustration? I just found it this week. I thought it was pretty cool. Hardest instrument to play? Second violin. Everyone wants to be first. Second flute. Second French horn. Second trombone. Second drummer. Second cymbal. Is there a second cymbal? They maybe play cymbals. Both of these guys are, are band directors. They maybe play cymbals in fourth grade. Star Spangled Banner. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm killing it, you know, until the leather breaks on the little handles. But he said, without the second violin, there is no harmony. And no one here, especially in our American culture, wants to be the second fiddle, if you will. We want to be first. But realize this, you will always be first in your relationship with Christ when he is first for you. He loves each one of us as we are the first chair, if you will. Whether you are the first chair or the last chair or didn't even make the cut to be in the band. Jesus says, I am the gate. He's a two-way gate. He not only locks up behind us but he, and to keep us safe, but he unlocks and swings the door open so that we can come in as he gives us this fullness of life. That fullness of life in this side of heaven, this side of glory, is the strength, the confidence, the peace of knowing that it gets better. It may not get better this side of glory, but when we get to see him face to face, 
you'll fully understand that abundant life, that eternal life, being with Christ in glory. I don't think the abundant life here on this earth is just being a fat lamb or a fat, fat sheep. Although I know I'll eat more chili than most of you in a minute because I didn't have any breakfast. But to use one of my aviation buddy friends here, uh, Christ is saying that gate, I, I'm the rotating beacon on the ground. There are rotating beacons on our, but those of you who ever seen an airport, there is a light that is constantly going and it usually flashes one, two, depends on. Long time since I had private ground school, Dean. It's two if it's a military, isn't it? Like white, green, white, something like that, yeah. Different colors if it's a military. You don't want to fly in there if you don't have a clearance to go to that one. I remember that. But it is signaling for that wayward pilot, or even the pilot who knows where he's going, where to go. Christ is always the one with the light, and we are to, he says, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the bread of life. And today he says, I am the gate. Step through. For he's calling us to join his fold. Stand with me, please, we pray. Lord, as we come now to a time of invitation, and maybe there's someone here who has been outside the fold. They have allowed the wolves of the world to prey upon them, and we feel like many things have robbed us or beat us up or stolen from us. Lord, we pray that as we open the doors of the church for those who might come and ask Christ into their life, or perhaps come here and just lay aside these distractions of the world, that we would experience your grace in a new way, in a powerful way that restores and gives rest to our soul. Let your Holy Spirit move in our midst, for I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.